Hey everybody, Pat Millay here. Hope you are doing great. Before we get into this episode, just a quick disclaimer that uh, we recorded this episode a little bit ago with uh, a kind of minor temporary microphone setup while we were waiting on a permanent mic. And some of the audio, especially for Kenna, is not great, which is unfortunate because she has a lot of wonderful things to say. So uh, just an apology up front that some of the audio is not awesome uh, and we are aware of that. Uh, We kind of talked about it a little bit and we decided that the conversation was way too valuable to let a little not great audio stop us from sharing it with you. So just an apology on the front end. We've got our permanent mic set up now. So this is the last episode that it'll sound like this. Hopefully you can uh, bear with us for this episode and enjoy the fantastic conversation about anger and how we deal with it. Thanks for your patience. Let us know what you think about the episode. God bless you. Thanks. If I just let the passion go and don't engage my mind, I'm going to make a horrible choice. But if I can get that under control, it is like a superpower. Welcome to This Whole Life, a podcast for all of us seeking sanity and sanctity, and a place to find joy and meaning through the integration of faith and mental health. I'm Kenna Malay, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm happy to bring you this podcast along with my husband, Pat Malay a Catholic speaker, musician, and leader. We invite you to our kitchen table. Okay, not literally, but you're definitely invited into the conversations that we seem to keep having once the kids have scattered off to play and we're left doing the dishes. We're excited to share this podcast for educational purposes. It's not intended as therapy or as a substitute for mental health care. So let's get talking about this whole life. It is this whole life, and you, good listener, are welcomed into welcome our conversation back, back. yet again. I still have a cold. <laughs> <laughs> some things have changed, some things have not. <laughs> Father Nathan's with us again. <laughs> well, you both look great. <laughs> no matter how you feel, you both look great. <laughs> I will say, I am grateful that we don't video, like, like video, visually project these yeah you will not find this on I youtube look, i look a little rough today but thanks for <laughs> thanks for bearing with me yeah, radio voice people today <laughs> i don't even know if i have that <laughs> but it's good to be with you guys good to have you back up here in the recording layer father that's wonderful <laughs> to be with you thank you <laughs> the recording layer <laughs> that's intense oh, um man. can we start off with checking in um i want to know what's going on with you guys what's... i think we should but i think you need to start ladies first oh okay all right Ooh, please um yeah, let me think. So um, I always like to end on a high note. So, okay, my hard, my heart lately has been, and maybe this is an occupational hazard, you know, of being someone who, quote, analyzes and looks for patterns. I think that is, um, you know, a gift of mine. And I certainly use it in my job. But, but when such analysis reveals to you that the things that make you feel crazy about other people are things that you do as well. And so I don't want to be on this episode. <laughs> it's way too close to home. <laughs> it is like in my children, in my spouse, um, in my clients, in my colleagues. Like, you know, just the things where I'm like, oh, 
oh, and it just makes me, um, yeah, tense up or get irritated and annoyed, maybe appropriate on this episode about anger. Um, but just that, like, and then that moment, that awareness of like, wait, that feels familiar. Like that, <laughs> that habit feels familiar. Um, so the hard lately has been, I don't know, the Lord must be growing something in me because it just feels like everywhere I turn, <laughs> there is this knowledge of, um, yeah, removing that plank out of my own eye <laughs> before I go and, you know, lodge complaints with my neighbor. So um, that has been the hard lately to see um, those reflected back in me, those habits that drive me nuts. Um the high has been, I am not, you know, Pat and Father, you are um, prolific readers and you are always talking about the great, you know, the latest, greatest thing you've been reading. And I admire that so much. And I'd like to say it's because I'm busy, but I, that I don't, but I know it's just because I don't make the time. Like I don't prioritize it. Um, but lately I have been, and it has um, developed into a really lovely bedtime routine. Um, I used to just go, 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 and then just crash um, and not actually like unwind. And, you know, we talk about for our children, them needing like a tuck in routine, um, with all these indicators to let their body know that the time is nigh, even though the sun is shining brightly because it's summer <laughs> here. Um, and, and so like realizing the truth and the value in that for myself. And so, um, read a book finished it. Oh my gosh, how many half or three quarter red books my husband yeah, can attest to? That alone is a yeah. mountaintop summited. I did. <laughs> I I gritted my way through this last one. So it was just it was a fun pleasure read about Provence, France, and it was just so like it was like a sweet little vacation, like a two hundred page vacation. Um, and now reading um a beautiful Catholic piece of Catholic literature that a friend recommended to me. Um, but really the high is just seeing this change in the way I close out my day. Um, it allows me to enter better into prayer with you, prayer by myself. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm enjoying that and I'm seeing the wisdom in having a good book on hand at all times. Um, so Father you, you're high and hard. So I, I know I'm a little bit behind the times, but Father Ben, who I live with uh, in Savage, um, we've been going through The Chosen hmm. and we're on season three and it has... It's been so beautiful. Hmm. Um, and the thing that's, I mean, here's two grown men. You know, at the end of the day, usually we come back. It's usually like 830 or something. And we're watching The Chosen and we're like dead silent. And you'll just hear. No one looks over at each other, you know, but it's, it's just been it's been so moving and like both of us have reflected after the episodes are done of just Jesus's intentionality and his love um, for humanity. Like he just, he genuinely loves them. And I mean, just, just to see that depiction. And I mean, there's, there's pros and cons to it. Like I'm not, it's not, it's not a doctrinal show. Right, right. <laughs> uh, there's definitely some things if I was the editor, I would love to go back and fix, but it, it, it for the most part, how it's showing Jesus loving people, it, it's it's caused me. I know at least I can say for myself to want to have the same gaze of Jesus um, when I'm looking at others, and that's mm -hmm. been just really good. And it's been interesting because that actually leads into the hard because we've been kind of soaked in this. Anytime the bureaucratic part of the church comes, there's just this heightened, like, this is, this is not 
God, Jesus. Like, and it's just been very kind of frustrating. Like, oh, you, you have a, another meeting about future planning for strategy of facilities and tuck pointing. I hate that word. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's like if you, if you own large buildings. Yeah. yeah you very much do. Tuck, tuck yeah. pointing is the thing that you don't, you don't ever see, but if you don't pay attention to it, you got it's a structural issue. Oh yeah, yeah. You okay. just get disaster okay. with okay. leakage and mold and everything. Oh no! So, so you got some tuck pointing. To you do. got tuck pointing to do. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, baby. Like I was ordained for a mission. Like let's tuck point this building. The spiritual grift of tuck pointing. <laughs> so I mean, that for me, that's been kind of the hardest to say. Okay, no, this this has value in the mission as well. But just to have that stark juxtaposition of the the beautiful love that Christ has for the people, how I want to share that heart of Jesus to the world, and then a meeting about planning for building project. So, oh man! Yep, there, there's my yeah, high and that hard. juxtaposition. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the the cho- we we are also watching the chosen slowly with our oldest two kids, and my now. The problem with the way the world works now is that uh, like two weeks ago, I saw an ad for the the Hallow app on Instagram, right? And Hallow is a great app. Millions of people use it. Very great for people's prayer lives, things like that. And they also have different kind of like, I hate the term, but Catholic celebrities, right? Who like will encourage people on ads to use Hallow. So there's like Mark Wahlberg and whatever. So Jonathan Rumi, who is Jesus in The Chosen, was on an ad in Instagram. And he has actually, he's done a few of these on social media. And whenever that very successful and holy gentleman wears a cap, he's just Aaron Rodgers. And I can't, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I can't, I can't unsee it. I can't unsee it. I can't unsee it. So now every time we Chose the chosen, just Aaron Rodgers telling the disciples what to do. You just incepted me. What is wrong with you? I just shared my grace as Jesus's beautiful gaze upon his people, and now it's Aaron Rodgers going for the play. And I live in Vikings oh, country, Pat. so it, so Aaron Rodgers is not a friendly name around the house of most Minnesotans. So it's not like I have good connotations either. It just. It's just, I'm sorry that I have ruined your experience, Father. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but I felt like in authenticity, I should tell you about that Thank experience. you. Yes. And why don't you go now? Let's see what we can do and to manipulate your world. So my, my high that you will tear down creatively in a moment is uh, related to yours, actually, my bride. I am have been reading Les Miserables. I wanted to pronounce it in French uh, for the second time lately. And there are two funny or one funny thing, one valuable thing. The funny thing is it reminds me of another podcast that we appreciate, Poco a Poco, with the CFRs. And I think it was Father Mark Mary who was reading Les Mis uh, maybe last year or something like that. And he talked about on the podcast how he just, for whatever reason, the way his brain works is he only pronounces every, he'll pronounce every name with a strictly English pronunciation, right? So he he will read Les Mis, and it's not Jean Valjean. It's Jean Valjean in, in his mind. So he went through in the podcast reading a sentence, and it's like, and then Fantine said to Javert, what, where, have you seen Jean Valjean? <laughs> Just sucking all the beauty. So <laughs> gross. Oh, it sounds terrible. Anyway. But I love the book for many reasons. Uh, I had read it once, and I'm I'm rereading it, and I had forgotten so many 
plot points even, but especially just like the way that Victor Hugo tells the story of just the depth of human suffering on one hand, but also the heights of human mercy and grace on the other hand, you know, and the way that he talks about Fantine's total descent into every pit of suffering that humanity has to offer. And then the, the kind of juxtaposition between the justice of Javert and the mercy and, and truth of Jean Valjean. It just, it's such a beautiful story and I missed it and I didn't even know I missed it, but I'm back to it. So it's great. I love reading it again. Um, my hard is that we, (laughs) it's very exciting, but it's not quite, we're not there yet. We are at the end of a long road, friends. We are potty training our final child as we record this episode. We have been changing diapers for 12 and a half years straight, sometimes with four children at one time in diapers. We estimated with some friends recently. Ooh, let's not let's not share this statistic. It was. I won't give you the exact number. We estimated the number of diapers that we've purchased and used over the past 12 and a half years. It was an absurd number, an uncomfortable number. It's crazy. Anyway, our youngest daughter is one of the more easygoing humans I've ever met, not just in our family, but in life in general. But she is just not quite grabbing onto the old potty training process the way that some of our other children have. So uh, she's doing well and she's doing, she's doing okay, but we are just not getting there as quickly as I would like to be done is what I'm saying. So what it turns out is that I am not in control of the world <laughs> and or her bowels. I get to learn uh, continued patience and we're not out of the woods yet. So yes, yes. it's difficult, but we'll get there. It's okay. It's okay because now you can join the ranks of parents who are frustrated with their children's oh man toileting habits. It's, that's like a rite of passage, isn't it? And if Our other kids were too easy. Right, they all exactly. potty trained in like Maybe a day. Seriously, you can hate us. It was and really... if your children's potty habits make you angry, this is the episode for you. <laughs> welcome. Oh, welcome. Welcome to this whole life where we get to talk about being pissed off sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, this episode is all about anger. And what what it is, and more importantly, of course, what to do with it as a person of faith. Because it's going to happen. Because it's going to happen. Because it's yes. inevitable, right? Yes. So, um, it is a natural human emotion. Yeah, right. If you are listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't get angry. Liar. <laughs> <laughs> then you're repressed, right? Because it is a human experience and there is no not angry. And there's, and there's some good in it, too. Oh, it's so I remember good. I remember a therapist once saying to me, there's beauty in anger. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't understand what you're talking about. And she said, think about it. It it shows you what you care about. Like if, if you weren't upset about that thing, right? It reveals your values. Like, do you listen to it? Do you let it, do you let it, you know, become information? Anyways, I know I'm mm-hmm. jumping the gun here, but anyways, yes, I, I, I welcome you all into the anger. I do remember that early on in this podcast, we were having dinner with some friends um, and we were talking about different topics that they'd, you know, want us to cover on the podcast. And, and she brought up anger and I said, we can't, we can't do that. And she was like, oh yeah, too, too edgy or something. And I said, no, I, I cannot speak with any authority on anger. <laughs> you don't know about my fire breathing, red, angry dragon. Like, oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, reason, here we are. And the reason that I think it can be so confusing and, challenging for us Christians is that even scripture itself seems to present 
kind of a contradictory vision of what anger is and what we do with it, right? So just a few a few scripture verses to kind of frame the conversation here. So on one hand, you've got verses like these. Um, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, right? Matthew chapter 5. So Jesus seems to be telling us, don't be angry at all. There is no place for anger, right? Uh, Psalm 37 says, refrain from anger, abandon wrath. Do not be provoked. It brings only harm. Um, And one of my favorite (laughs) verses, uh, Proverbs 22, starting at verse 24, do not be friendly with hotheads, nor associate with the wrathful, lest you learn their ways and become ensnared, right? So, so on one hand, scripture says evil is bad. Don't ever, sorry. No, anger. On one hand, scripture says. Evil also bad. <laughs> evil remains bad. Yes. Evil is actually bad. It turns out. <laughs> scripture, scripture says. Yeah. Scripture goes on to say anger is evil. Never feel anger. Okay. Um, on the other hand, though, Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter four and says, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun set on your anger and do not leave room for the devil. So he's ordering them. He's instructing them, be angry. (laughs) But then he continues, but do not sin. So there has to be some kind of a distinction there, apparently. And the obvious passage that I think comes to mind for a lot of us maybe is the Jesus cleansing the temple of the money changers, that, that he has this obvious expression of anger in casting out the money changers, those who were misusing the temple of the Lord. And this is the perfect sinless, divine Jesus Christ who's doing that. So he has to have been doing that in a way that was not sinful. So either scripture is contradicting itself, which it is not, or... We need to nuance. <laughs> or there's nuance here, right? So what would the nuance be, Father, if if there are these kind of opposing presentations of anger, how can we hold those together? Yeah. So, I mean, I think just to look at Thomas Aquinas, right, is he says that the purpose of anger, so just to see what is the actual purpose that we are given this emotion, and it's to overcome an evil, Hmm. to overcome an evil. And then where it gets sinful is when the evil cannot be overcome, but we're not willing to let go of the anger. Hmm. Mm. And so this is where we have all these sort of issues that start to I mean, this is like Paul, right? Is don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Like if you can't overcome it, don't hold on to it. Sure. And you got to shift gears. This is not saying stay up all night and fight like cats and dogs. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> that's necessary. All right? Like, right. But just like the don't ingest the anger. Yeah. And, and I, I, hopefully like as you hear us kind of talk about this, you can relate to experiences of good and bad anger uh, in your experience. Like if something bad happens to someone and you have this kind of righteous flare up of anger, like that wasn't okay. Like that, that should feel good actually, because you're, you're standing up for someone who is being victimized or being treated poorly. However, hopefully you can also call to mind those times where you're like, someone cut me off in traffic and I'm going to speed up as close to them. I'm going to flash my lights at them. I'm going to like stare them down, maybe even do a gesture at them. And then I'm going to drive away and I'm going to curse them and say how stupid they were. And then I'm going to, you know, the the person that I encounter in the parking lot, I'm going to yell at them even though they didn't do anything, but I'm still mad at that driver back there. Okay. That's ingested anger. Mm -hmm. Like a wrong was done. 
You can't overcome it. Like the person's traveling 70 miles next to you and a seven miles an hour next to you. You just got to endure it and keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you're actually describing comes out of dialectical behavioral therapy. <laughs> so DBT has a concept called radical acceptance. And so I guess I'm thinking about this in conjunction with our episode on emotions, where we talk about feelings as messengers. So, you know, when I feel, when I experience the emotion of mad, angry, irritated, frustrated, and all of its um, yeah, iterations, um, that is an indication to me that there has been a violation, right? Mm. That, that something I value um, has been, um, the line has been crossed, the boundary has been crossed. And what helps to soothe that is to reset the limit and the boundary. Well, Mr. Corvette next to me who's flying by and has cut me off and is weaving in and out of traffic. Like I can't reset the limit and boundary with him. So what do I get to do? I get to choose radical acceptance. Like I accept that like this happened and I'm going to let go of it. Um, and I'm going to, that actually frees me up to decide what do I want to do next? Mm-hmm. Do I want to continue to be similar jerk and like weave in and out of traffic and cut people off or do i want to let that be my call of like i'm going to be more mindful because i know i can be careless sometimes and accidentally cut people off too or you know be reckless in traffic so um so yeah so that just that speaks like psychologically to me i I think even just how like people who draw comics depict people who are angry it's actually very helpful for us understanding it Hmm. so like the blind rage so what if you ever see like some kind of a comic they get very, very large. Yep. They stop breathing. They get red hot. And like, there's even that Inside Out movie by Pixar right, where like right. the anger character is like the the more angry it gets, the higher the flames go out right. of their head. The steam coming the out ste- of the ears. Steam going yeah. out of the ears and everything. So <laughs> there's all this imagery that shows like they're becoming unhuman hmm. as they ingest it. Whereas if you were to see someone who actually depicts you know, anger in an appropriate way, even in a cartoon, is they really become emboldened Hmm. and they almost become hero-like versus become monster-like. Interesting. So it's not that a certain level of anger is acceptable, but too much anger is sinful. It's partially probably uh the whether the will is engaged or not that- well, let me lob that back yeah, right please. so so too much anger it looks like making a whip of cords and driving out people who are just trying to make some money in the temple sure like mm, a little too much jesus right. like you yeah. kind of went overboard on that can like, you turn it down a couple notches and the right. disciples are almost like scandalized by it like sure. whoa do you can't believe it just happened and so it's kind of like Jesus, what was going on there? Mm-hmm. It seems disproportionate, but it it wasn't. Right, right. It was to overcome that evil, which he could overcome. After he drove them out, they were out. And if you notice, even in that scriptures, Jesus isn't like, ah, ah, okay, next battle. Let's go find those Sadducees. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, we're, like, I'm pumped up, like, I just creatine. Like, but he, he just simply calms down and he keeps teaching. Mm. The, the evil was overcome, and then boom, he goes right back into it. Mm. So it's not even always... It's not even always the proportionality because sometimes you actually, it deserves a lot of anger, right? Right. It, it's just, it, what it is, is, is is it able to overcome that evil or that obstacle or is it not? So here, here's another example with Christ. He's at his trial and they, you know, ask him a question and he doesn't answer and the guard strikes him on the cheek. Right. And Jesus looks at him and says, if I have said something wrong then you may do this. If not, why do you hit me? Mm-hmm. 
And so Jesus, again, is using his words, but he, he knows he cannot overcome this. And it's interesting because after that point, Jesus doesn't say much in his trial hmm. because he realizes this is an evil I cannot overcome. I must endure it. Mm-hmm. But he confronts the evil directly rather than becoming just this doormat, which oftentimes you think is like, oh, this is what Christianity looks like is I will turn the other cheek. Okay. You can turn the other cheek, but you say what you just did is not okay. Yeah. And what you did is wrong and you really need to change your behavior. Mm -hmm. And if the person doesn't change, you go, okay, I guess we're on for a ride. Hmm. I never thought about that, that trial scene as being important to hold in the same hand as the turn the other cheek teaching as well that turn the other cheek i think a lot of us kind of process sometimes as being uh as if meekness equals weakness right well right just like meekness lay down do whatever you want i'm a christian i can't tell you what's right and wrong it just i'm i'm here to suffer and nothing more right and the same jesus who said turn the other cheek which is true because he said it he is at a trial and he he doesn't fight back so he does turn the other cheek but he still acknowledges and identifies the evil that's being done so let me give let me give you an example of where i experienced this in my own life and it's not like hero stats like i got i got suspended from school for it in high school all right <laughs> but like this was so out of character for me in my high school years is i was riding on a bus got picked up it was really early in the morning and there was this kid who was in the back of the bus and he's like laughing at his friends and throwing Jolly Ranchers at the special need kid in the front of the bus. Mm. And he's like, ha, 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 throwing, you know, candy. And like the kid's super confused. And I just, my, I was so mad. And I have, I have a cousin with special needs and I just love him to pieces. And I look at this kid, he's upperclassman, two years ahead of me. And I go, if you throw one more piece of candy, I'm going to punch you in the face. And he looks at me and goes, ha, 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 and throws another piece of candy. And I wound up and punched him right in the face. (laughs) I'm like, I was like shocked when it happened. And then like the bus driver pulled over and I, the irony of this whole story is the special needs kid told on me that I was starting to fight in the back. <laughs> even though I was <laughs> defending him. So I just this like incredible irony of this story, but it was interesting because so the anger welled up within me that I said something I would have never said. I was like this really kind of, I was this weird kid and I would never have talked to an upperclassman. I would have never stuck my neck out for someone I didn't know. But the anger overpowered me. Now, was violence the right solution? No. <laughs> All right. Like that was, that was my learning moment in there. Like you don't punch people when you don't get your way. Mm-hmm. But it was the anger that rose up that let me confront an injustice. Hmm. But then I didn't know what to do after that. Yeah. So it was, it was this thing that I always kind of encapsulated my own mind and memories of anger can actually help you do things that your character might be too weak to do on its own. Hmm. And that actually... Um, reminds me of something someone shared that was so eye-opening for me. So I've I've struggled with anger for my whole life. Um, you know, it was an emotion that was very acceptable in my family of origin. And so I think a lot of things, we, we can talk about primary and secondary emotions, but an emotional substitution. But the idea is when I feel anything vulnerable, I'm usually presenting as angry. You know, my, my general rule of thumb is if I am showing on the outside that I'm irritated and aggravated and annoyed, chances are good I'm actually feeling sad and scared on the inside. Um, and so, you know, anger is, I had a client once say, um, 
Anger is the prickly pineapple outside, and my sad and scared is the sweet, juicy, tender, like, pineapple insides. Mm. Like, it's the stuff that, right, and that prickly is there to protect this really the, the vulnerable, right, raw um, part of me. But I remember this this person sharing with me, you know, if we if we think about the the feeling wheel, right, those core, those six core emotions of joyful, peaceful, powerful, and sad, mad, and scared. And we think about sad men scared as like, usually we say the more unpleasant emotions to experience. Um, Sad and scared are often these very passive, protective emotions, right? If you think about like physically acting out what it looks like when you feel sad or scared, you might think of someone in the fetal position or huddled in a corner, right? You get really small, you get really quiet, um, mad is very different it is Mm -hmm. necessarily big and it's why i think it's scary Mm -hmm. it is it is scary to experience the mad emotion of another and it can be overwhelming i i know many clients i don't have this experience personally of being scared of my own mad but i wish (laughs) i did i wish i think that'd be healthier for me if i was a little taken aback unfortunately i'm really comfortable with it but um but but clients were like, it feels so out of control. Mm-hmm. And so I think what I'm hearing us talk about today is, you know, Christ as being this example of letting that welling up, like Father, you were saying that physical welling up happen um, and still being in control, right? So then it goes back to my intellect is over my emotions. Mm. Um, my my intellect still gets to call the shots with my will and make choices. But I, I do want to acknowledge that, um, it it is scary. I think sometimes to feel mad and angry. I had a professor um, once in school. Um, we were t- she had worked with people with severe personality disorders, um, and so you know these are individuals who at times have have committed crimes that just feel unspeakable to us. Um, and and she said, I just it, it was very poignant for me. She said, I I, I want you to consider that under the, the right, circ- right, quote, right circumstances, a particular set of circumstances, she's like, I think any of us humans are capable of unspeakable things. And I will speak from my mama bear heart. Like, <laughs> you cross one of my kids in a, in a serious and life-threatening way. Like, I, I can see that. I can understand that. And so mm-hmm. just to, to say, especially as, as Christians, like, I get why this is hard for us and why we can maybe fall into a place of either or of either I shut it down and I repress it because I'm so scared of what I could do with it. Like I could do some damage or like me, (laughs) I have a fire breathing dragon that makes its appearance way more often than I would like. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this call of the Lord to strike that balance, that both and of, yes, let's be aware of it. And also let's still be in control of that. Mm -hmm. Let's still be mindful about how we use it for the good to overcome evil. So there's this, this nuance that we've been talking about since the beginning, these, these two different kinds of forms of anger, I guess there's the the emotional experience of anger that when there has been a violation, when there is something that needs to be overcome, some kind of injustice, that anger is my God-given emotional response to those circumstances to give me the, the motivation, the wherewithal, maybe even the courage to overcome that thing, whatever it is. And then, and, and that, by the way, is n- the emotional experience is neutral the good that can come from responding to anger in virtue is a beautiful good, actually. It's a very valuable thing. 
the sinful version of anger is the kind that father, like you mentioned, is treasured, is fostered, is held, um, ingested, ingested, right. That it becomes this poison that affects everyone around us at times, starting with ourselves. Um, and there is always some version of a willful decision in that process because that's the nature of sin. Something that's not chosen freely can't be a sin. So there are times that that I choose to be angry. I choose to maintain this anger for lots of reasons, self-righteousness and self-pity, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so that's the first kind of distinction is, is clarifying. So when scripture speaks of anger in these two different ways, there are two different experiences. There's the emotional experience and the, the willful, sinful, unrighteous version of anger. Wrath would be the, the deadly sin version of that. Right. So then with that in mind, um, it kind of begs the question for us Christians, well, what do we do with it then? When we're, when we have either of those experiences, what do we do with anger? And we've already already identified some of the unhealthy and unhelpful ways that people can deal with anger. Um, Father, you had brought up earlier the hilarious idea of these rage rooms that are popping up around the country yeah. now, that there are literal physical businesses that are are like recreational, they call them rage rooms. Like padded rooms? Like padded rooms, literally, okay. where you can go into a padded room, but they fill it with just like old useless junk. So you can just, I don't know if you ever saw office space back in the day, but you can just take a baseball bat to computers and TVs and, and lamps and things like that. And the idea is to get your anger out, right? If you enact it physically, then you won't have the emotional experience anymore and it won't be repressed. Right. <laughs> Doesn't work. It's a nice it can idea. Be, it can be a piece of it, right? Sure. Like, sure. Like the other day, I was, I'm trying to think if it was when you were on retreat, Pat. I was doing a kickboxing workout in the living room, like on YouTube, in the living room, in the midst of children, like asking me a bajillion questions and pepper. And I'm like, I just want 25 minutes, people. Um, and and so literally while I'm punching, I'm like, I'm going to start grunting and groaning and screaming and high eyeing And like, you know, like <laughs> there was this physical expression of like the frustration and that can be super helpful. Um, it's not the whole story, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. we know that our bodies are key in processing emotion. And so I, I, I can understand the idea. I can certainly understand the trend that they're trying to um, monetize. Sure, right. Yeah, um, convenient but, way to make money. But yeah, off it. yeah, but certainly not the whole story. <laughs> and then on the other end of the spectrum, maybe you have um, the tendency to ignore it completely, to to deny it, to repress it, to shut it down, and to almost turn off the angry reflex. So that you don't feel it anymore, because as you mentioned, maybe you don't know what to do with it. Maybe you don't know how to respond to it to just shut it down entirely. And then um, the one that I know all humans are familiar with on this one level or another is the temptation to self-medicate and to numb ourselves from the experience of anger. So when I feel really angry, instead of confronting that and dealing with the discomfort of it, it's much easier to just have a couple beers or watch a TV show and just try to forget it, right? I don't want to deal with it. I, I would rather avoid it. Um, the problem, of course, is that it never goes away. And frequently, it just increases or comes out sideways in ways that we don't freely choose. Yeah, there's, there's so much in just kind of what you shared, Pat. I really appreciate kind of the thorough expose of anger uh, that you mm-hmm. just gave. You might have to repeat and like listen to that again because it was just very, very well done. Uh, but, you know, here's the interesting thing. There's, there's, there's two things I want to comment on. One is... With in regards to like the rage rooms, 
So because anger is an emotion that rises up to overcome something, just by expressing the emotion without a purpose doesn't deal with the issue. Hmm. So it's not like if I just, I have like this quota of anger inside me, and if I can just get that same quota out, the anger goes away. It's, nope. It's why complaining to my girlfriends about my husband without actually addressing the Wait, issue with my husband. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> go there. You go there. Let's watch this rage room happen right now. Okay. Episode over. We're shifting gears. <laughs> oh, there goes the microphone. Okay, great. Just kidding. Sorry. Carry on. But that's what you're saying, right? Yes. Like, that's why that doesn't actually feel good. In the moment, right? And, and I have... Smashing something. Right. Been, like, guilty of this for sure in the past, um, working on it these days. But in the moment, it feels so good. Like, let me vent this. Let me get this out. But it doesn't actually address what I need to soothe that anger, which would say is to reset limits and boundaries. It doesn't actually let Pat and I have a conversation of like, hey, I didn't feel respected. I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel cared for in this thing. I'd ask you to do that differently. Um, yeah. So so one of the ways that it is helpful in kind of therapeutic sessions, especially if someone's been through um, substantial trauma, is their bodies don't always work well because of the trauma. So to have them maybe do some sort of an aggressive thing towards a pillow in the office or maybe even just to jump up and down or something is actually really healing sometimes mm. because they didn't give themselves permission to act how they needed to act with their bodies. So that that's one area where the manifestation of anger outside the situation might be helpful because there's kind of a um, retarded response to it mm -hmm. is it should have happened, but it couldn't because right. of whatever the trauma was. If it's kind of sparking someone out of paralysis a little bit, like right, moving right. your body so that you can move your emotional response to it. Yeah, I guess it's, kind of, it's, it's almost like it got stalled. And so to, by giving kind of another event, like there's a great um, book called Waking the Tiger. And it just talks about Peter the, Levine, Peter Levine yeah. yeah, about moving the body along with this, what's going on in the psyche. So that, mm. that's the only time that's actually really helpful. Mm. Otherwise, it just, it never actually gets at the issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think even, even before we go into this, uh, even deeper, just, just to kind of, for your own self as a listener, to say in your own mind, how do you feel about anger is going to give you a lot of good information, right. both in how you're processing our message today, but even more so of how you want to move in regards to anger. So if you grew up in a household where anger was always the thing that caused threat and fear, it's not uncommon for someone who lived like this to make the vow, I will never be like parent so-and-so. Sure. And so then we vow that what a righteous or good human being looks like is to never behave that way. So if that's what's going on in the back of your mind where anger is something that I never want to be, this podcast sounds like the craziest thing in the world. <laughs> Whereas in another way, if, if you're like, well, I grew up in a home where I was always unjustly treated and I'm always going to be the person that advocates for the unjust. Okay, well, great. Now anger has become the default and you're always angry, like the Hulk, Bruce Banner, right? He's I was like, literally <laughs> just thinking that. You guys had to go there. We'd almost made it a whole episode. Oh, but now you're making some reference. I don't understand. So, I actually do understand that. So part, part of how we can kind of appropriate a healthy understanding of anger is we have to look at how do we understand anger from our origins. And that's going to color how we receive the message of anger. Hmm. Well, and, and along with that, um, something you've both said reminds me, one of the ways that I think about depression with clients um, is, is anger held inward. You've used the word often, Father, ingested. 
And it's that holding in, you know, maybe we, we think of repression or suppression, um, but it's that holding in. And and when anger doesn't, when, when limits and boundaries for whatever reason, you know, oftentimes in our childhood, isn't allowed to be expressed toward the the appropriate recipient, right? To to set that boundary aright with that parent or that teacher or that coach because you were in that subordinate, um, you know, position. Um, that is oftentimes um, something that that can eat away at us and create this. Yeah, this this depression. So what what I think of too is Brene Brown says, I don't get to self-select what emotions I turn the volume down on. So if I'm, you know, if I'm in that camp of I don't want to feel angry, I, I think that's what bad people do. Um I don't I wouldn't I'd be too scared to let myself feel that way. Well, that depression, right? Like so then the volume goes down on my joy, it goes down on my excitement, on my sense of power. Um and when when we're in therapy, we're we're kind of turning the volume back up and and there's a period of learning to tolerate that and learning to trust yourself um that that you can do well with what you feel um and, and maybe even make some mistakes and that the lord is merciful and those in your life are merciful too um because you're not going to get it right the first time mm-hmm. um but just the the importance of of this i think as people of faith who i would say you know we are imbued with this I believe, regardless of what absolutely painful, unspeakable, maybe traumas and abuses you you have received, even from early in your childhood, um, that there's a part of you that knows that you are worthy of dignity and worthy of love and respect and being valued. And so, anything that has flown in the face of that, um, that that's in there. There there is an awareness. It may not be conscious. It may not. You may not be able to articulate it right now. But but that's got to go somewhere. There are no loopholes. <laughs> um, and so we can find that as we turn up the volume. And that that can be scary. And if you are someone listening who has experienced trauma, and you're realizing that there is a lot of anger there around boundaries that weren't set appropriately in ways that that you weren't able to use your voice. Therapy can be very supportive um, in helping to bring that out in a way that doesn't overwhelm and doesn't mm-hmm. scare you or the people around you and can help to process some of that so you can live a life of greater freedom. Which is starting to get into the, into the direction of what to do with anger. So how how do we, as people of faith, people who want to live lives of virtue, how do we respond to the emotional experience of anger so that it doesn't go to the place of sinful, ingested anger? I mean, I think it really takes us back to where we started, honestly, like where we where we dive in of, okay, if that emotion is a messenger, if I let my anger, my mad feelings tell me there's been a violation, some boundary has been crossed, and I look at, is it possible, is it in my control to reset the limit or the boundary? Yes. Okay. I take that action. If yes, no, I move to radical acceptance. And, and, you know, particularly I think for us as Christians, um, we have, we make a lot of meaning out of suffering and I'm not trying to hyper spiritualize this and, and say that we've all got to just accept the injustices of the world. Like, please hear me. There's discernment in this. Like you need to engage your intellect to understand, is this evil to be overcome or am I called to radically accept this happened and, and to move into a place of not being stuck in my rage about it, but to go, okay, so what can I do next? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to your point, Ken, as well, is just to sit in your anger. Sometimes it's just it's it's actually 
that's what helps it resolve. So yeah. I, I, I've, I've had many occurrences in my own life where something happened that was unjust and I'm just like letting myself experience how mad I am about the injustice and I'm not ingesting it. I'm just being present to the emotion. And after that, I have this clarity of thought of like, okay, here's where I want to go. And I'm not angry when I'm making the decision, right? Like mm -hmm. don't make your decisions in ra rash judgments and in, in, in wrath. But after sitting in the emotion and just letting, yep, I am really angry right now and this was not okay, I can actually then let it go. Hmm. Oftentimes when we can't let it go, it's like, no, not right now. And then we store it away and it just kind of gets stuck. I would call that validation. I would, you know, it's that um, interior validation of I do see that and I acknowledge that as that wasn't okay. There's nothing I can do about it, perhaps, concretely. That person isn't open to conversation with me or he drove off in his Corvette and I just literally can't have a conversation with him. But um, but that validation is so powerful of being seen. And, and you know, this isn't an episode on trauma, but um, but because so often traumas and anger go hand in hand, um, the the idea that in that moment of the trauma, um, there wasn't an acknowledgement of like, this isn't okay. Um, and so to do that for ourselves, I mean, that's a lot of the work that I see clients doing, you know, with me um, is, is being the one if no one else was there to say, yeah, this wasn't okay. This mm -hmm. wasn't right. You shouldn't have had to endure that. I know mm -hmm. when people have said that to me about things that happened years ago, there was, there was this unshackling um, because I was imprisoned in the anger of it um, without that sense of validation of like, yeah, I get it. I see it. And now I can move on. One of my favorite tools to use kind of when navigating anger is is a word that you already used, Pat. You, you kind of meekness, weakness kind of thing. And I, right, I, I right. love that plan <laughs> words. I'm sorry. I've never heard that before. So oh, it's great. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so the rector of the seminary uh, had was trying to teach us on the virtues and the lesson came on meekness. And of course, it's kind of this obscure, like, is it like, if I imagine a meek person in my mind, it's like this almost like cowering, sad looking person. Sniveling. Like a mouse. Yeah. Yes, like a mouse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the rector's like, that is not meekness. Meekness is defined as controlled strength. Hmm. Mm. Controlled strength. And this is why Jesus is meek, hmm. is he has all of the strength. Oh, yeah. But he doesn't use it. Oh, right. That's and so passion. again, this is where helpful with anger is like anger is this kind of building up of this strength and power to overcome an evil. But then meekness is that virtue that says, I don't want to use it and I don't need to use it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, here's, here's a prime example. Maybe you can relate to, I don't think your kids are Lego kids, are they? Oh, oh, yeah. oh okay. Okay. They are. Oh, yes. Very okay. Much. So, yeah. All right, so your kids Many are- Many a foot injury have I endured on those Legos for <laughs> crying out loud, father. That's where I'm going. Seriously. <laughs> so I, I saw this like parenting show and like one of the obstacles was they had to walk over Legos. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I was like, oh, that, that's so great. <laughs> what I put my parents through. But so you, your kids are playing, all right, and you're doing something and you step on a Lego and it's like, oh, it's just one of those that just- Jobs oh, right into the soft right spot. Right on the heel, yep. Mm -hmm. And you immediately then see your kids playing, having fun with Legos, and you go, pick up your stupid toys. <laughs> All right, so that anger, it, it wasn't proportionate. Is it took control of you, and meekness would have been a better thing, is I'm so mad right now, and I'm looking at the kids having fun, calming it down, and saying, hey, kids, you got to pick this up. Because I just hurt my my foot and that's not okay. So we're going to stop playing. 
you're going to pick up your Legos or you're going to be done with Legos. Mm -hmm. So meekness is a virtue that allows us to experience the immediacy of the anger and then to say, I'm not going to use it this way. Mm -hmm. So the way that I talk about that is speaking on behalf of instead of letting in my case, my dragon speak for me, right? I don't want to surrender my voice to my dragon. You know, she comes out of her out of her dungeon. Um, I want to understand like, oh yeah, she's really upset about that stepping on the Lego business <laughs> and I'm going to speak on her behalf. And so that controlled strength, right? Like, am I actually in charge of that? Or does she, you know, do I abdicate my throne and she um, runs a coup and is just breathing fire all over the kingdom? Um, you know, which is unfortunately Poor peasants. what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was uh, yesterday, I, was, I told you this already, Ken, I was on the phone with a customer service representative and I was on hold for 40 minutes. And then the gentleman who I spoke to on the phone was excruciatingly unhelpful. And it turned out that my entire phone call was wasted and there was no help to be given to me. Oh. And I I got to the point of uh, I was going to hang up the phone and I was going to hang up abruptly to send him a message. And I started like shouting. And then you remember you had an iPhone? No, I was on my AirPod. So I I very angrily clicked the AirPod. (laughs) Which it just, there's no appropriate way with our modern technology to slam a phone down. You know what I mean? (laughs) What's that Mitch Hedberg joke? Like uh, when he was really angry camping with somebody. And he was like, how do I express my anger in this situation? Zipper it up real fast. (laughs) You can't slam the door. Anyway, uh, and I came around the corner after being like, thanks for nothing. I didn't say those words, but something like that. I also didn't swear, which I was very proud of myself, Mm. by the way. Uh, But I did like lash out a little bit at this guy who probably really had nothing else that he could have done. And just the nature of the situation was that he was forced to be unhelpful, you know. And I so came the situation around the corner. was frustrating, made you mad, not necessarily him, not necessarily his fault. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Probably very accurate. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. It might've been a little his fault, but mostly the situation. <laughs> and I come around the corner and one of our sons, our five-year-old is sitting in the living room and he looks at me like, what was that? <laughs> and again, like it wasn't, it wasn't some huge thing where I was like throwing stuff. It was nothing like that, but I was able to identify like there was a piece of that that was certainly wrath. Right. Like there was a piece of it that was chosen that I enjoyed the act of proving to him how unhelpful he was. You know, I wanted him to feel. Or you showed him, Pat. I showed, I wanted him to have like some small version of the suffering. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That guy really hung up that AirPod loudly. Right. But it was, it was that, that experience of like a lack of meekness on a small, but definitely present level. And that's a very minor situation, obviously. All of the ways that you listening, that we have really big injustices in our lives. Um, Sometimes it's global injustice. Like we're angry about abortion or the death penalty or racism or whatever the thing is. We're angry about the way that our parents treated us when we were kids or the way they continue to treat us as adults. We're angry about what our spouse is doing or fails to do. We're angry about the way that our kids are talking to us just on and on and on. And these are not insignificant hurts you know um but the the response isn't to diminish the hurt by diminishing the 
emotion, not to invalidate the harm or the wound by invalidating the emotion. It's to look at it and to sit with it like you were talking about, Father. And I think I love that you just did that collective thing and you kind of went through all these examples of how we could be angry in our life because anger is an emotion that builds. Mm. And so it's like another thing and another thing and another thing. And this is where the news media feeds are so damaging because, but it's just, it's just, we're seeing all of these and another thing and another thing. And we just build and we don't know how to overcome the evil. So we just keep ingesting. And it makes it very, very difficult. And there's this uh, kind of pithy adage now, it's become pithy in 12-step work, that when we are, you know, angry and resentful, we take a spoonful of poison and hope the other person dies. Sure. So like we watch the news program and it's like, I'm so mad. And we're just getting more and more sick and nothing's happening to the person or the situation or the policy that we're so It's not actually at. righting the wrong. It's not righting the wrong. It's not mm-hmm. resetting the boundary and the limit. Hello, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so th- this is actually where I think anger, I mean, this is why we have an inappropriate relationship with it sometimes, is either A, we just keep collecting it, or B, we don't want to collect it, so we avoid it like the plague. Mm. And what I just, I really want to encourage the listeners, anger is, this is going to sound so crazy, angry is beautiful. Hmm. And you need to actually love it. Because with that definition of meekness, it is a controlled strength. It's strength. And so if we need something in this world, we need strong people. And anger is that emotion that helps us to be strong, but it has to be controlled. And so this is where just even that kind of activity of acknowledging, recognizing what you're angry about and letting it have its place oftentimes is exactly what we need to think clearly through something. I mean, if we just looked at the physiology of what happens to your body when you're angry is like blood's moving fast, endorphins are being released. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to problem solve really, really well if I can get that under control. Yeah. If I just let the passion go and don't engage my mind... I'm going to make a horrible choice. Mm-hmm. But if I can get that under control, it is like a superpower. Throwback to our Marvel episode, by the way, speaking of superpowers, mm-hmm. that's 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 the Hulk's real that's superpower. That's all you get this episode, <laughs> Two Marvel references. It's not gamma radiation. It's anger oh that's the superpower. Gosh. See? <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get too far down that particular road and put Kenna to literal sleep, um, let's talk through our challenge by choice for this week that's very anger-focused in a way to look at it in a healthy way. Um, the challenge by choice, our dear friend, is to take a little bit of time this week to think about the last time you were angry, whatever that time was. Think about an, an event over the past week or maybe the past couple of weeks where you felt the experience of anger, heart racing, adrenaline pumping, um, tunnel vision, whatever that feels like for you. And to just see that anger for what it is. So we talked about attunement earlier to to identify what happens in my body and my mind when I'm feeling that emotion of anger. Um, And then to consider for yourself, what did you do with that in the moment? What choices did you make in the wake of that experience? And to have a conversation with the Lord about that interaction so that God willing, you and I 
can make even better, more controlled, more intentional, more virtuous choices about our anger in the months and years to come once we've practiced the habit of reining it, harnessing it like a really powerful horse and and guiding it instead of it taking us on a runaway journey, you know? Yeah, I'm loving that challenge my choice. I'm, I've already got one in mind that I need to process and I need to understand. And, and I, I think, yeah, as I'm thinking about it, there's probably, it's a both and, like there are pieces of it that were righteous and there are pieces of it that were sinful. And even that, like I'm going to need to unpack. So thanks for, yeah, presenting that opportunity. To I us. told you that I didn't mean to do that. Okay. Stop it. Just <laughs> Thankfully, it's nothing with you. Just High kidding. five for the intervention that just took place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Father, can you take us home? Can yeah, you pray for I'd us? And yeah, pray for these discerning hearts and minds. So in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, you have told us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And with the complexity of what you have created in us, may we treasure each and every part of us, for it is beautiful before your throne. Heavenly Father, grant us patience where we are moved to wrath. Grant us rest when we are moved to reaction. And may you allow us that gift of meekness of which your Son bore so beautifully in this world. We ask all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Father, for being with us and um, for yeah unpacking this and, and the vulnerability that both of you you know dive in with um, with me on this topic. Um, and thank you to our listeners for um, sharing with us in this whole life and uh, talking about the real things that affect us and and these topics that can help us with some reflection and prayer can help us to be those saints that we are created to be. Um, so as we go from here, we ask you to rate and review, subscribe to This Whole Life if you haven't already. Um, join us on Instagram at This Whole Life Podcast and uh, reach out to us, thiswholelifepodcast.com. Until next time, know that you're in our prayers and we are so grateful to share in this journey with you. You're not This Whole Life is a production of the Martin Center for Integration. Visit us online at thiswholelifepodcast.com. I am have been reading Les Miserables, the French version. Uh, sorry, not in French. No. <laughs> I was like, you have? I just tried to pronounce it Don't in know French, a word so that I'm that, reading, right? but it's been wonderful. <laughs> Beautiful prose. I've been reading Les Miserables.